Welcome to the Shortwave Report. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report is a 30-minute review of news and opinion heard on the shortwave radio and the internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcast at home is quite easy. You just need a shortwave radio with a schedule of English language broadcast or a computer or smartphone with an internet connection. To help you with this, I'll announce times, frequencies, and website addresses at the conclusion of each series of stories. At the website for this show, that's out. Farpress.com. You can listen to the past five shortwave reports, find advice for listening to shortwave at home, and find internet links for global news sources. Please check it out and tell a friend. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from NHK Japan, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, and Radio Havana Cuba. We will begin with NHK World Radio Japan. COVID is spreading rapidly in Japan while the World Health Organization is warning that more than half the population of Europe, Russia, and Central Asia could be infected within the next two months. Following a second missile test by North Korea, the U.S. has frozen the assets of six North Koreans and a Russian company. In Myanmar, a court has added to the prison sentence of the former leader Aung San Suu Kyi. Troops from the Collective Security Treaty Organization, an Eastern Bloc version of NATO, are leaving Kazakhstan after shutting down protests against rising fuel prices. NHK Japan We start with the coronavirus situation here in Japan, where the government is revising rules to deal with the rapid spread of the Omicron variant. More than 18,000 coronavirus infections were confirmed on Thursday. The daily tally is more than four times the figure from a week ago. 125 people across Japan are in serious condition, up 20 from Wednesday. Tokyo reported more than 3,000 new cases. The number increased by about 1,000 for two days in a row. Health experts monitoring the situation say the daily tally in the capital is expected to exceed 10,000 by the end of January. A senior official from the World Health Organization is warning more than half the population of Europe, Russia and Central Asia could be infected with Omicron within the next two months. The Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation forecasts that more than 50% of the population in the region will be infected with Omicron in the next six to eight weeks. The WHO Office for Europe covers 53 countries. The regional director said on Tuesday, Omicron is becoming the dominant variant in Western Europe and is spreading to the Balkans. But he said vaccines can prevent infected people from becoming seriously ill and cut the risk of death. He renewed his call for countries to speed up vaccine rollouts. Now, the WHO says over 15 million new coronavirus cases were confirmed across the globe during the week through January 9th. That's a 55% increase compared to the previous week. More than 43,000 deaths were reported. The U.S. government has slapped sanctions on six North Koreans for their involvement in the North's nuclear and missile programs. It's also sanctioning a Russian man and a Russian company for their role. 
In a statement, the Treasury Department says it has frozen their assets in the United States. It's also barring people and companies from doing business with them. It says it's part of ongoing efforts to target North Korea's use of overseas representatives to illegally procure goods for weapons. The move comes as North Korea continues to develop its weapons capability. The country claims to have test-fired two hypersonic missiles during the past two weeks, including one with Kim Jong-un reportedly on hand to witness. The Treasury Department condemned the launches, saying North Korea has carried out six ballistic missile launches since last September. The U.S. government is cooperating with countries like Japan and South Korea to prevent North Korea from advancing its weapons program. We begin in Myanmar, where a court has sentenced ousted de facto leader Aung San Suu Kyi to four more years in prison on several charges. A spokesperson for the State Administration Council said on Monday she had been found guilty on charges including illegally importing walkie-talkies used by her security guards and breaching coronavirus regulations. The council was established by the military after last February's coup. Last month, Aung San Suu Kyi was sentenced to four years in prison for charges including incitement. The head of the council cut her sentence by half in a pardon. The latest prison term will be added to this two-year sentence. Aung San Suu Kyi also stands accused of other crimes, such as breaching the state secrets law and corruption. Upcoming trials are expected to find her guilty and add more prison terms. Kazakh President Kasim Jomart Tokayev says a Russia-led military alliance will be leaving his country in the coming days after helping to end a period of widespread unrest. The Kazakh government sought assistance from the Collective Security Treaty Organization last week after protests over rising fuel prices spread nationwide. The bloc comprising six former Soviet states sent about 2,000 troops to guard key facilities in Kazakhstan. The U.S. government questioned the legitimacy of the move. President Tokayev says the troops will start withdrawing on Thursday and complete their pullout within 10 days. Now, Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi expressed Beijing's support for the deployment in a phone conversation with his Russian counterpart. Wang told Sergei Lavrov, China and Russia are friendly neighbors of Central Asian countries. He said they should not allow chaos or war in the region. Kazakhstan borders China's Xinjiang region. Western nations accuse Beijing of cracking down on the region's Uyghur Muslim minorities. Wang said their countries should oppose foreign interference in Central Asian affairs. Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan. They are now heard from 8.30 to 9 p.m. at 7245 and 9865 or on the web at www.3.nhk.or.jp. All the times I announce are for Pacific Standard Time, so please adjust them to your time zone. Next, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. Talks are being held between Russia and NATO over the troop buildup on the border with Ukraine. Russia wants guarantees that Ukraine will never join NATO, which has set up military bases near the borders with Russia. A German court sentenced a former Syrian military officer to life in prison for crimes against humanity. On the 20th anniversary of the opening of the U.S. detention camp in Guantanamo Bay in Cuba, all international broadcasters covered and criticized the history of this infamous jail. 
most refer to it as an illegal breach of human rights and an ongoing moral failing. 39 detainees remain and 22 have never been charged. After another revelation about UK government members' double standards during the COVID crisis and parties at 10 Downing Street, the opposition is calling for Boris Johnson to resign as Prime Minister. Then brief COVID updates from Chile, Israel, the Winter Olympics, and Ottawa where the unvaccinated will be taxed. In France, teachers are on strike over the burden of dealing with COVID in the classroom. The European Union's Climate Monitoring Agency released a new report on the worsening global weather, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. Tonight, Russia says NATO's expansion is a threat to its security. Talks between Russia and the NATO military alliance ended today with no clear promises that an armed conflict can be avoided in Europe's backyard. The two sides are trying to find common ground as concerns grow that Russia is preparing a military invasion of Ukraine. Moscow has already positioned 100,000 troops along its border with Ukraine, and NATO is calling for them to be pulled back. Russia wants written guarantees that Ukraine will never join NATO, but NATO says that's up to Ukraine. Here's NATO chief Jens Stoltenberg's assessment of today's meeting. This was not an easy discussion. We had a very serious um, and direct exchange on the situation in and around Ukraine and the implications for European uh, security. There are significant differences between NATO allies uh, and Russia on these issues. Our differences will not be easy to bridge, but it is a positive sign that all NATO allies and Russia sat down around the same table and engaged on substantive topics. Well, following the talks, Russia's Deputy Foreign Minister Alexander Grushko repeated assertions that the expansion of NATO is a threat to Russia. The main task of NATO's policy and military deployment is to deter Russia, and enormous resources are being allocated for this purpose. Today, many countries have joined NATO, and their territories are obviously used as the basis for projecting power against Russia at strategic depth. That seriously worsens our security and creates an unacceptable risk for us. A landmark verdict. A German court has sentenced a former Syrian military officer to life in prison for crimes against humanity. The court found Anwar Aslan guilty of overseeing the murder of 27 people at the Al-Khatib detention center in Damascus. The ex-colonel headed a notorious secret service unit a decade ago under the regime of Bashar al-Assad. Aslan later fled to Germany where he was detained in 2019. 20 years ago today, the first prisoners arrived in Guantanamo Bay, the detention camp that was set up by the U.S. following the 9-11 attacks and the ensuing invasion of Afghanistan. In a clear breach of human rights, most prisoners were held indefinitely without trial. DW's Oliver Salad went to the U.S. naval base at Guantanamo and the camp that some say has come to symbolize one of the biggest U.S. moral failings in the war on terror. 
Guantanamo, located in a tropical paradise, but the U.S. naval base in Cuba stands for human rights abuses and torture. Mohamedou Olslahi was held here for 14 years, suspected of involvement in the 9-11 attacks, but never charged for a crime. He was brutally tortured and suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder until today. Defense counsel Anthony Natale represents an alleged al-Qaeda terrorist who arrived here in 2006 and since then has been waiting for his trial. Guantanamo has been seen internationally as a stain on American history. So where does that place here put the United States? We are ashamed that everything that made this country one that we could say was a free country, that had equal justice for all, has abandoned all of that. And that's sad. It's sad. And I, I don't know how we're going to be able to recover. Guantanamo was built after the 9-11 attacks. The U.S. government aimed for a forceful and rapid response. The United States will hunt down and punish those responsible for these cowardly acts. In the war on terror, America and its allies invaded Afghanistan. The U.S. naval base at Guantanamo Bay served as a prison for alleged war criminals and terror suspects, a place where the Constitution of the United States does not exist. Ever since it was opened, human rights activists argue Guantanamo is where the U.S. lost its moral authority, a place of torture and double standards that is mostly of limits for our camera. But there's also another side of Guantanamo, a place where 6,000 inhabitants try to go about their everyday lives in a bizarre contrast to the infamous prison. Residential areas resemble small-town America, some normalcy in a place full of contradictions. Radio Gitmo delivers the soundtrack for Guantanamo, and she is Gitmo's voice. Hey, Gitmo, hello, hello. Welcome to your morning show with DJ Candles, otherwise known as Petty Officer Annalisa. Court trials and the prison are not part of their coverage. It's not really part of like the culture here, you know. That's a, another side of the base. Here on this side, we have a whole different type of operations going here. The new school allows its students somewhat of a normal childhood, five kilometers from the notorious torture prison. Okay, what are some other things that you know about Native That's actually the message that Guantanamo Bay sent to the whole world. They said there are two kinds of people in this world, people who don't deserve the rule of law, like Muslim young people, and people who deserve the rule of law. Out of almost 800 former detainees, 39 are still incarcerated in Guantanamo. Only two have been convicted of a crime. In the UK, a series of scandals known as Partygate has led to a mea culpa from British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Today, he apologized for attending a garden party held at his residence back in May 2020. It was during England's first lockdown when most social gatherings were illegal. Johnson is now facing calls for his resignation. He's sorry because he's being caught. Yeah. Yeah. Boris Johnson finally says sorry but the opposition aren't buying it. In front of a packed parliament, the British Prime Minister apologised, but also tried to justify himself. Mr Speaker, I want to apologise. I know that millions of people across this country have made extraordinary sacrifices over the last 18 months. I believed implicitly that this was a work 
event. But, Mr. Speaker, with hindsight, I should have sent everyone back inside. Johnson said he believed the Bring Your Own Booze Party was held to thank his staff for working so hard in the early months of the pandemic. Even though it was held at a time when the rest of the country could only legally meet one person from another household. Opposition leaders want him to resign, just like others before him who broke the health code. Mr. Speaker, when the Prime Minister's former health secretary broke the rules, he resigned. And the Prime Minister said he was right to do so. When the Prime Minister's spokesperson laughed about the rules being broken, she resigned. And the Prime Minister accepted that resignation. Why does the Prime Minister still think that the rules don't apply to him? Chile has begun administering a fourth dose of the vaccine for vulnerable groups. It follows a sharp rise in infections in neighboring countries. Israel has seen its infection rate nearly quadruple in the past week, reaching new record highs. And experts say an allegedly new COVID mutation that was dubbed Deltacron, discovered in a Cyprus lab, is most likely the result of lab contamination and not a new variant. The International Olympic Committee says that the Winter Games in Beijing can go ahead despite rising Omicron infections. Athletes and officials will be fully vaccinated and have daily tests. Canada's second most populous province, Quebec, is planning to impose a health tax on residents who refuse to get vaccinated for non-medical reasons. And Switzerland is reducing the quarantine time to five days to ease hospital staff shortages. One region has told all trained nurses to be available in case they're needed to ease the pressure on hospitals. In France, teachers are on strike over what they say is the unmanageable burden of dealing with COVID-19 rules. Teachers' unions have called street protests in some major cities. About half of France's primary schools had to remain closed due to the walkout. Teachers are angry at class disruptions and ever-changing rules. They're also asking for better protection as the Omicron variant fuels a surge in COVID-19 infections. The European Union's Climate Monitoring Agency has released a harrowing new report showing just how much global temperatures have risen in the past seven years. Last year was the fifth warmest on record and extreme weather events hit every continent on the planet. Scientists are warning that we have to prepare for the worst. The last seven years were the world's hottest on record, and by a substantial margin, according to the EU's Copernicus Climate Change Service. In 2021, global levels of CO2 and methane reached record highs, while in the same year, wildfires devastated parts of Greece, North America and Siberia. Floods ripped through towns in western Germany. And droughts across Africa led to what was called the first ever climate-induced famine in Madagascar. But as the climate changes, so too does scientists' ability to track and predict it. Drastically reducing greenhouse gas emissions is widely agreed to be the best defence against further human-induced warming, along with protecting and rehabilitating key ecosystems. 
But with extreme weather events already hitting, adapting is vital to protect life. Uh, climate change is now happening. We're seeing more extreme weather of many types. We're not prepared for those increased severity and uh, extremity of extreme weather. Uh, so we need to be better prepared. Last year, global temperatures were more than one degree Celsius above pre-industrial levels, leaving only a tiny margin to avoid two degrees or more of warming and the catastrophic effect scientists say that would have on the planet. Those reports were from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, which may be heard at a combined audio-video website, DW.com, as well as on YouTube at their channel called DW News. If you have questions or comments about the shortwave report or could assist me by supporting this listener-funded program, I may be reached through the website and PayPal or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California, 95490. Please help me continue producing this weekly show, which I freely distribute to radio stations and the Internet, like a listener in Mendocino, California, and a repeat supporter from Northumberland, UK, did this week. Many, many thanks. We will conclude with Radio Havana, Cuba. At the inauguration of Daniel Ortega in Nicaragua, one of the guests was Brian Wilson, a Vietnam veteran who was run over by a train while protesting the Contra Wars in 1987. The Supreme Court in El Salvador has reopened the investigation into the 1989 massacre of six Jesuit priests and two women. The United Nations has launched an appeal for aid to prevent the starvation of a million children in Afghanistan. Then a viewpoint on 500 billionaires who have greatly increased their wealth in 2021 while global poverty rates have soared. Radio Havana, Cuba. The president of the Supreme Electoral Council, CSE of Nicaragua, Brendan Rocha, presented the credentials to Daniel Ortega and Rosario Murillo as president and vice president, respectively, for a new period of government. The event was attended by representatives of the state powers, as well as presidents of the world and solidarity movements. President Ortega thanked the international guests for their presence in the midst of the persecution of the United States against a Central American country. What greater pride to have here present United States citizens who fight for the dignity and independence of their country as Brian Wilson. It takes courage to be here and defend international law, he added. Brian Wilson was in attendance at the inauguration on Monday night in Managua. In 1987, during a protest on railway tracks at the Concord California Naval Weapons Station, Brian Wilson lost both of his legs when he tried to stop a train loaded with arms and ammunition for the Contra War against Nicaragua. Alluding to the persecution of Nicaragua by the White House, Ortega urged his United States counterpart, Joe Biden, to respect human rights. They must comply with the law. It is time for the Nicaraguan people to be compensated. We are not asking for arms, but for justice. We demand an end to the blockade against Cuba and Venezuela, he added. The International Court of Justice, when Nicaragua appealed in the middle of the war, where thousands of our brothers and sisters were mutilated and killed, in a historic ruling condemned by the United States government for the terrorist acts against Nicaraguan people, which were directed by the CIA. 
El Salvador Supreme Court has reopened a criminal investigation into the 1989 massacre of six Jesuit priests carried out by a United States trained death squad during the Salvadoran Civil War. Their housekeeper and her daughter were also killed. Five of the priests were from Spain and one was Salvadoran. There have been ongoing attempts to prosecute all of those involved in the massacre. Since a 1993 amnesty law was declared unconstitutional in 2016. A Spanish court in 2020 sentenced former Salvadoran Colonel Inocente Orlando Montano to 133 years for the killings of the Spanish priests. He is the only person linked to the massacre currently behind bars. The United Nations has launched a nearly $5 billion aid appeal for international donors to Afghanistan. United Nations Humanitarian Affairs and Emergency Relief Coordinator Martin Griffith said, without immediate assistance, a full-blown humanitarian catastrophe looms in Afghanistan. He told reporters, a million children potentially suffering severe acute malnutrition, a million children. Figures are so hard to gaps when they are kind of size. But a million children of Afghanistan at risk of that kind of malnutrition, if these things don't happen, is a shocking one. In Washington, D.C., the Congressional Progressive Caucus is demanding the Joe Biden administration lift economic sanctions imposed after the Taliban overran Afghanistan in August. The caucus tweeted that if the current United States economic policy toward Afghanistan continues, there could be more civilian deaths this year than there were in 20 years of war. Millions of people around the world would like to erase from their memory 2021, a year in which lives were lost, families and loved ones continued to be separated, and the economy collapsed, except for a small group of wealthy people. It's truly amazing that when we all did very badly, not just individuals but countries, around 500 billionaires saw their fortunes grow to unprecedented levels something obscene compared to the general increase in poverty. In the last 12 months, the assets accumulated by these individuals increased by $1 trillion, and today, as a whole, they possess an unprecedented wealth of $8.4 trillion, according to data provided by Bloomberg. If compared to the current economy of some powers, this select club of wealthy people has almost as many resources as some countries including Japan, Germany, or the United Kingdom. They are also above the combined gross domestic product of all Latin America and the Caribbean, according to an article by the British news agency BBC. At a time when the economy of almost all nations is depressed as a consequence of the health crisis caused by COVID-19, when production has not yet begun to reactivate, it is logical to ask where this increase in fortunes is coming from. The reality is that they are not linked to any material form of value creation, but to speculation on the financial markets and the increase in the price of raw materials. For example, the richest of the rich today, Elon Musk, founder of the multinational corporations Tesla and SpaceX, increased his wealth by 75% in 2021 due to the increase in the value of his shares. Moreover, in the few days elapsed in this month, he again earned over $32 billion on the stock market, just for the announcement that last year he brought 936,000 electric cars to the market. 
According to the World Bank, not at all suspected of being anti-capitalist, 40% of the world's population living in poverty has not seen an improvement in their living standard, and around 100 million people fell into misery last year. A further demonstration of the irrationality of a system designed to favor a few plutocrats, who, in addition to not paying taxes proportional to their fortunes, crush the majority. Those reports were from Radio Havana, Cuba. Cuba's website is working well at radiohc.cu, though the podcasts are not updated. On shortwave, Cuba may be heard from noon to 1 p.m. at 15140, and from 5 p.m. to 11 at either 6060 or 6100. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people like you to listen to international broadcasts, get a global perspective. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's outfarpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows. Please consider making a safe donation online through PayPal. There's a link at my website along with a podcast link and get advice for listening at home. This shortwave report, which is now in its 25th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. This shortwave report is produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.